Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have an amazing guest. His name is Rex Highgate. He is the founder of a company called DeFi Safety. Rex, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jamil. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Pleasure to have you. Um, let's kick things off with a simple question. What is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? So, um, I'm an aerospace guy. And when I did my first hackathon, which was the first at Denver in early 2018, um, you know, uh, I was trying to figure out how I could fit in, how I could contribute. And they always threw it back to me sort of saying, well, I don't know, how can you contribute? And DeFi software has to work well because it's important. Once you put it out there, it's immutable. So it's difficult to correct errors and it's affecting other people's money. And when I thought about this and my background, which is in aerospace software, I realized a little click because aerospace has a very, very strict process called DO-178C um, about how they do software. It's even stricter than finance in many ways. And um, I realized that that process, which makes software which is reliable, which can be updated reliably, is something that I can contribute to the space. And uh, we did uh, uh, something called SecureEth, which was a um, SecureEth.org, which is processes for using um, uh, to put software on, which was inspired by aerospace that I started at that hackathon and uh, continued with some foundation money. And then when DeFi, when COVID happened and I suddenly had, uh, let's just say a whole bunch extra time. Um, and I, you know, and at the same time, DeFi summer was starting and I wanted to get back into this because I pulled out during crypto winter. And so I, a lot of this is sort of people should use good processes, but processes are boring. Processes are, are tedious and difficult. So you have to incentivize people, especially in a public permissionless environment. So with a bit of thought, the idea of DeFi safety came where you score people based on their process and quality, and you sort of, you put the score out publicly, the process public, everything public. And the idea is it a little bit of name and shame, and you incentivize people to want to do things properly. And uh, you're able to highlight that the people that um, the people who do things properly are indeed safer. So one of the, the, the nice things, we've been doing reviews of protocols now uh, for uh, almost 18 months since the beginning of DeFi summer. And uh, we've done over 190 protocols now, some of them several times. And we're now able to say, based on analysis, that if your score is 80% or higher, you are definitely significantly safer 
in the smart contracts because the people take the steps. Got it. So you mentioned something twice, and I need to just get, uh, you know, because there are a lot of new people in crypto in 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, you said you said DeFi summer. So can you walk us through briefly what that was? Oh, sure. At the beginning of uh, 2020, um, DeFi started, it suddenly clicked. Suddenly the applications, the MMI was, was the websites were easier to use. The, the protocols really started to work together and money started to come into DeFi. So uh, that was that summer was the first um, uh, real birth of DeFi as a as a, a true financial system. So um, the, the term in the space was used DeFi summer, which was the summer of 2020, um, which is when it all sort of got started and it's been rolling ever since. So that's DeFi summer. Thank you. So uh, what is DeFi safety and what is your company all about? How does it work? So as I said, we're um, incentivizing good processes. When it comes down to it, when you invest in DeFi, you're not investing in people, you're not investing in an institution, you're investing in software. The software controls your money. Therefore, the software quality becomes significantly more important than it would be in traditional finance. If the software in traditional finance doesn't work, you talk to somebody and they do things. If the software in, uh, doesn't work, there is no um, backsies in crypto. And, you know, True, you might be able to make a claim to the treasury of the protocol, but fundamentally, the management of your money is by the software. So this is where I'm a software quality guy from my aerospace avionics background. So we developed a process to rate um, the, the quality of the software development. And when you do a quality software development, you leave things behind you have a test suite, you have test reports, you have documentation of your code, you have a clear description of here are the smart contracts that I'm using. Um, you have audit reports, all of this, it's a trail that you leave that proves, I took my time when I did this, I thought about it carefully, and uh, here's the evidence of that. And in DeFi, because there's no um, regulatory recourse and it, you often don't really know who you're investing with, you have to, how do you trust them? And you trust them because they're transparent. And if they're fully transparent, you can prove mathematically that they do what they say. And uh, a lot of this is if you look and look at all of the evidence, you can know that somebody is uh, is safe in as much as you know that they say what they're doing and you can check it. Anybody can check it at any time. So DeFi Safety developed a score on how well they document and their code and process. And uh, as I said, if you go onto the DeFi Safety website, we have uh, this is called process quality reviews and it's our first of several products we've been doing this for free for the community since um uh, july 2020 there's uh nearly 200 uh, DeFi protocols on at least seven chains 
um, that are on there, and they're all done by the same process. So you've got a comparable score, so you can, you know, you can, and you can sort of sit back and say, okay, we simplified the process, and every single scoring we have a report for, it. so you can go back and you can check exactly why we did the score and what we looked at for the score for every single one so that anybody you know we're transparent also anybody can check our work so that's what we do great so in season one which was in april i interviewed a man who created a rating system and i recently interviewed another company that created a rating system and i looked at some of the ratings and i looked at yours you're on coin gecko you have some ratings on coin gecko right <laughs> Um, and they're all different, very different, very different for the same protocols. And I'm, it reminds me of Cisco and Ebert, right? Growing up watching the movie, Cisco had an opinion, Ebert had an opinion. What criteria do you use and what are the most important criteria and why? So an important thing to distinguish, we score technical risk only. So if you look at a lot of the other scoring systems that are out there they're talking about the financials where's the best place to put your money you know where's the best return and they talk about economics they talk about uh social media metrics and things like that and that's all real and that's all i i i won't dismiss any of that but we don't look at that we look at technical risk only so uh that is what differentiates our score so you say what do we look at at the moment, there's five sections. There's 23 questions in a report, and there's five sections. There's code and team, software documentation, software testing, security, and um, access controls. So code and team is the biggest thing. Say where your contracts are. Tell me what contracts I'm executing. Have it nice, clearly listed. And then are you a non or not? Do you have a GitHub or not? It's questions like that. Software documentation. Did you document your code? Even if it's a fork of somebody else's code, documenting the code, code proves that you understand it. And that's important. Do you have a test suite? Did you run the test suite? Do you know how to run the test suite? Uh, do you let the, the uh, community run your test suite by saying, here's, here's the, the scripts to run the test suite? If you have that, then you're confident that you know how to do, uh, you know how your code works and you know how uh, to update your code. Because if you can't run a test suite, then any update that you do is under major risk because you can't test it. Audits is um, code audits, you know, uh, the audits that you had. We are, we, we are not auditors, but we are professional audit readers you know, because we're reading the audits for all of these protocols. So we can tell an audit that was done after deployment, were the changes that they asked for implemented, is the audit complexity um, correct for the complexity of the um, protocol? Uh, so we do more than just, is there an audit? Yes, no. Is the audit good? And there's a whole degree. and. We actually have a, a long description on how we score the audits. That's probably our most complicated section. And then bug bounties. Do you have an active bug bounty program? Um, how big is the bug bounty uh, compared to your TVL? Uh, do you have some, uh, an active group to help, like Unify or Code Arena or, or such? So there's that. And then 
Access controls is what we put in. We've updated our process up to 0.7 now. We're going to release 0.8 very soon. Which um, And the new thing we put in with 0.7 was um, access controls, which is, is your code updatable or immutable? Please tell the people, because it's a simple thing, and they should not have to go back to the code to try and figure it out. An investor doesn't want to do that. If it's upgradable, is there a time lock? Who has control of the keys? Is it a multi-sig? If you look at the late, latest BZ, BZX hack, um, you know, it, all of a sudden, the, um, a wallet that had control of people's funds had a single address, and it was being used by a guy who was using his laptop. I don't know if you remember, Hugh from Nexus had a hack about a year ago. And the big lesson from that is maybe use a separate computer to use to do your protocols that you don't answer email in. I have a computer that I just I only use for my um, uh, big money DeFi transactions, business and, and personal. And that way, you know, it's free from hacks. Simple things that you can do that, you know, that people should do. So what we're trying to do is, is one, give a nice easy score that people can read that gives an idea of how safe a protocol is, and two, develop standards that DeFi protocol should follow. Because a lot of these guys are sort of saying, well, what should I do? So we're starting to develop the book of this is what people expect to see. Um, and uh, this is how you should present it. And our score helps both sides. Awesome. So I'll follow up there. Um, I, I, I used to, to build tech back in my corporate days and projects and manage that. And um, we would we would move we would do test and QA and then move to a sandbox or start a sandbox go to a QA and then UAT and then prod right yeah with some of the yield farming protocols you have very 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 talent I won't name the names we have very talented developers one of them's moniker is I test in prod um, yes I know him yes and and you talk about standards right. Um, Where's the where's the conflict there, and how would you, what recommendation would you have for that developer or developers like him to create standards, and what should they be? He's actually one of the investors. Um, Andre Cronier was our lead investor when we did our seed round, um, and he was very pro in the whole process. And he would say, "Yeah, I test in prod." Now, if you think about early DeFi, DeFi is a very dynamic, active. Uh, protocol and it's tough to develop a test environment that takes all of that into account. You simply run your code on a um, a test network, and it's kind of tougher. Now, test networks are it's one thing that I love. They're getting better now, and complex dynamic test networks are now available. So, if you think about when Andre said I test in prod, which was early DeFi summer, it was the only way to try it functionally. Now. I, I would say that's not a good excuse because the test networks are out there. Now, I can imagine if you're just uh, three guys on a shoestring budget, budget and you have a brilliant idea, maybe you're going to put it out there, though you should have limitations so that people don't ape in too much until you've got some, some testing. But after a protocol has TBL and has been running for a while, they should have a dynamic test network. And I think this is one thing that we're starting to work on is to give uh, 
what should a protocol actually do as far as processes uh, in order to support uh, their investors' money? And having an active, dynamic test network, yeah, I think that's something. And then that, that's something they can put on their website. This is where we test. Go ahead and test our code. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot that can be um, that can be improved on. Got it. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about risks then. Mm -hmm. uh, crypto is still a very high risk industry, uh, and needless to say, you know some of these risks, you know, um, they're, they're different globally depending where you are. Mm -hmm. oh, how yes. can they be? How can they be mitigated? You know, uh, not just technology wise, but like at a high level, economic and and, and society and political. So uh, technical risk is what we're working on doing. You know, um, and uh, if you're looking at the, the technical risk, will my principal be safe if I invest it in this protocol? Come to DeFi Safety, take a look at our score. Um, we've done, we do a lot of the research for you and you can double check the research we do by looking at the, the report that we generate. So, you know, there, that is, that is our core point. Um, as far as, you know, the political rules are, um something that you know it's not something that we deal with they're going to be different everybody's learning they're developing um the biggest thing you want to mitigate that is the point is you can move yourself and you can access your money internationally so that's if you want how do you mitigate that that's kind of uh, a method there and um for the whole political risk thing so uh, but that would be how we, you know this a lot of ways to be able to mitigate risk. So speaking of keeping on that risk, you know, you know, I had a conversation the other day with with the somebody who said, you know, crypto is equity. It's it's only it's it's, it's not about technology. It's about equity. And I'm like, mostly wrong. <laughs> I thought, you know, but you know, you have an equity manager who manages a portfolio of stocks. You have a crypto. Uh, you know, manager who manages a, a, a bucket of, of, of crypto or bags of crypto, right? Um, what do you, how do you create that portfolio um, of um, safe, like mitigating that risk in the DeFi area? What are some of the, um, some of the things that people should, you know, um, look at instead of, you know, in that, in that realm? So um, we only cover part of it. And that's what we do. We sort of sit back and say, what is safe? You, you will not find on our website, what is a good investment? Or what is, uh, you know, the biggest thing on Twitter and what people are aping into you, how, you will not find that data. Basically what we're saying is we have our specialty. So we'll give you the information on that. So um, let's say if you would ask me, how do I build up a portfolio like that? I would say, well, look at the things that have 80 plus percent. That would be, you know, and, um, if you are okay with the return that you get from those guys, then that's good. If you want higher return and the score is lower, like when we did the analysis, it was single digits chance of a risk of a, of a major hack uh, from the beginning of DeFi summer for 80 plus, and it was around about 25% for below 80. So, you know, the, the chance of a hack happening are higher with a lower score um so 
that would be the and then the, the other huge thing that comes up is who's going to manage your money you could get a third party person to manage your money and certainly if you don't want to deal with the complexities then you are but you're trusting that person the same way you're trusting any fund advisor in TradFund. And then they have to deal with um, uh, the money and they may give some guarantees and have insurance and things like that. The biggest risks that I see uh, are personal risks in as much as when you're in DeFi, you're your own bank. And there's risks uh, where you um, you can get your, your, um, your computer hacked, which is what happened, the BZX EOA hack that happened about a month ago which they didn't take the lessons from the Hue Nexus hack um, in being more careful with uh, the computer that they did transactions on. And that's so that's a risk. The um, Badger just had one today where somebody hacked into the front end of the website, nothing to do with the smart contracts, and offered the, um, had the website offer people um, something really good, and they approved it and then lost some money. So you have to be really, when you're your own bank, you have to be really careful. And you, you, and, and that I would say is probably one of the biggest risks for DeFi users is just the responsibility and the care they have to do when they're their own bank. And of course, if you don't want to be your own bank, then you delegate it to somebody. And DeFi safety doesn't do that, uh, but to some kind of a fund manager or a fund, and then they do the interface with the, the protocols they take the risk and uh you know no doubt they'll take a cut of the of the returns also so i would say the biggest risk that DeFi users have is all on the human you are your own bank and falling for you know falling for a, a coin that's promising a pump and dump and you're going to make the money there's risks there and you'll probably find that we haven't even scored that because it's too new and so go in and there's risks there there's i'm not saying there's not returns but there's risks got it so you mentioned hacks and and scams and you've been here since 2018 i've been here since 2017. how have you seen things improved um or not you know how have you seen the evolution evolution gone gone um as far as scam perspective and what should people still look out for um, because you know, with today's announcement on Facebook, is they're going to allow advertisements on, uh, you know, so you're going to have anybody show up and make advertisements um, on Facebook for crypto uh, management. So, what should people look out for, and what are the dangers, and what should what should they be on, on you know, keep their, their ear to the ground about? Well, young things are risky. Um, you have to go in understanding that you are going into a highly risky area. Um, I hope that uh, in the near future there will be, and perhaps we'll be doing it, in working to try and get some of these uh, really bad coins that are coming in that are purely designed to scam and finding them. That is a solvable problem. Uh, we're hoping to be able to get there right now. We're aiming for revenue um, with our uh, uh, contract scores and with our PQR scores from uh, financial people from investment houses like we're we have a next generation product our first generation is the pqrs it uh does an analysis of a protocol at the general way 
the contract score is much more specific. It scores the actual contract that you interface with. And this new product, we're uh, making it available in beta now. This will be, uh, we'll put that out for uh, production um, and revenue probably in within six months. And that'll be our revenue stream. So that'll um, basically supplying money uh, to that. We hope this contract scores will become available to many people. After that, maybe we'll be able to work on start uh, check, uh, really checking a lot of these coins that come up because there is a lot of them. That's a solvable problem. And I hope that we'll be able to participate in helping to solve that. I know there's uh, some groups that are doing it, but they're kind of small right now. And I hope with, you know, we'll be able to go at it at scale. But that is, let's say, that's something that we hope to do. We're not planning on doing that right now. That's not our short-term plans. Got it. Um, so a couple more things. Uh, one, hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about a Bitcoin ETF. And, and it's been shot down numerous occasions um, by the SEC. Um, and looks like there's there is one in Canada or maybe two. Right? Yep. Yeah, there's um, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What what um, do you think it would take to get those Bitcoin ETFs approved in the U.S. from a, from a uh, safety perspective? What should the regulators know that um, you know to look at to 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 be okay with it? Like, what would give them assurance that it's that that's okay? I think the bit. So, if you're talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum, you're talking about the the protocol. And both of these protocols have an impressive uh, security background, which we don't score. You know, we're not scoring Ethereum, we're not scoring Bitcoin. But these things have shown that they are safe. There's $2 trillion there, or I don't only remember the number, but it's in the trillions and it hasn't been hacked. So from a technical point of view, I don't think there's any argument about the security of it. The, the, their risks are, are different. I'm, I hope that uh, that ETFs um, bring more people in because it will bring more people into the space. And as they get into the space, you know, once people start owning Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's sort of after a while, they start saying, how can I earn yield with this? And that's DeFi. So it will grow. And I'm totally in favor of everything growing. And uh, we want to supply data to the uh, the institutions and the individuals that, that facilitate that growth. That's you know, our business is supplying impartial information to uh, DeFi users. That's that's our core business. And someday you do you do see a DeFi ETF coming down the pike eventually. Absolutely, it'll all become more and more um, established. In fact, there's an awful lot of funds that are being uh, brought in, and we're looking at uh, them using our contract scores as input data in their method of choosing where they invest. Standard fund investing. Got it. I'm looking forward to that incorporation. That'd be great. Um, there is one, I have one last question before my last question. Um, there's 12,000 cryptos globally or 13,000. I can't, I've lost count, right? But there are a number of cryptos that are on a site that I used to follow called Dead Coins. You know, and you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on 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 dead coins. Like, what what actually caused these cryptos to fail? Was it just because they were seeking money, or was it actual um, technology that didn't work? Like, what um, was the what do you see was the leading factor? 
Well, it's a mix. Um, there was uh, uh, a lot of coins that came and went in early DeFi summer, and some of them they were. It was just you know you you come up you the you get some enthusiasm, the token price goes up, and then you exit. Thank you. I've made some money. Do it again, and you keep on doing it. And so this that is I think an awful lot people that were not serious about I have a great in innovation. It's I'm trying to make money out of the enthusiasm. So those out of that comes a long line of dead coins. And when we like we have 170 protocols and about once a quarter we make a new list. Okay, we've got to re-review these protocols because they were done on 0.5 and we're at 0.7 or 0.8 now. So the first thing we do is we go off and find out are they dead yet? And we have our own little uh, um, uh, metrics that we check on whether or not it's, and there's often like 25% who are dead in as much as people just aren't using it anymore. It's immutable software. The software is there, the tokens there, you can't really erase it. And most people don't, but there's not much money and there's not much interest in it. So yeah, there's, and then there's also people who tried a technical innovation and it didn't work. And sometimes they just sort of, they walk away. So it's a mix, but yeah, dead coins are this all, they're always going to be there. And I've heard there's um, somebody who's working on resuscitating dead coins and that, that could be interesting. I haven't touched that. I don't know anything about that, but it sounds neat. Awesome. I want to thank you very much for your time today. This has been an amazing conversation. I enjoyed learning more about what you do. Um, and um, my last question is this. How can people find out more information about you, about DeFi safety, about what you do? How can how can they do that? So check out our website, DeFiSafety.com. We've got a Telegram and a Discord. Um, we're very interested in more people coming in. We have on our website a beta sign up for our contract scores. No charge, try the product. It is especially useful for, let's say, technical investment houses or uh, people that want to invest in DeFi um, and they're, they don't understand the technical risk. So our data, which is all available on API, um, allows you to um, get an idea of the technical risk so that you can make your decisions uh, knowing, okay, I've got a technical risk number now, uh, what, where am I going to get the returns? What uh, you know? What is popular, and where should I invest? So we're just part of the decision, and that's what we want to do. So check out DeFiSafety.com and talk to us. Awesome! Thank you very much for your time today, Jamil. It was a pleasure.